almost killed Ticketmaster, <laughs> almost single-handedly brought us out of a recession. So, so much, so many people, so much dancing that it registers on the Richter scale. Yeah, because so many people are shaking it off. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Coming up on 11 minutes after 6 on this Friday morning, EAA AirVenture runs through this weekend at Whitman Regional Airport in Oshkosh. So today, this afternoon, Wisconsin's Afternoon News will be live from EAA Air Venture. Sandy Max joins John Mercure on the grounds for said live broadcast. Mike Spaulding is in for Eric today. Were you in on some of those meetings? Yes. Yeah, you're in on all the meetings. Uh, yeah, is there a meeting I'm not in on? <laughs> you hear point? less. You hear less of Mike on the air these days uh, because Mike is in all of the meetings. He's in charge yeah. now. You know, we're trying to get John not only to be on the, the grounds of EAA, but also in the air of EAA. Well, no, hang on. We already tried that. He was invited. <laughs> he was invited to ride in a vintage aircraft, like an old mail delivery aircraft mm-hmm. from, I don't want to get it right, but well, it was it was pre-World War II. I'll give him it's that. like 1927. Okay. Well, that something. was a long time ago, but he bailed. He did. Yeah, because he didn't. He was. He got a little scared. Look, as a person who's who has a fear of flying, I could not argue with him. Okay, well, that's not a ride for you if you don't like flying. But he likes flying. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I would have gone. Maybe when he sees it today, he'll get an inspiration when he gets up there. An impromptu, <laughs> impromptu flight. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get him up in an aircraft at some point pre-show. Get during the show. Who know? I don't know. So what? Just Sandy just takes the show and then John, John brings the headset via... up there. Oh yeah. Dude, technically, that's going to be really hard. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're not telling the truth our, our about that actually being a thing. Staring daggers. <laughs> no, he's not going to go up there. He will be safely on the ground. You know uh, what? Seeing some of those uh, experimental aircrafts, have you? I think I'd rather go up in the 1927 airplane. Oh, than for sure. Some of these little like that surfboards with wings. It's got a long record, long track record of having worked all these years. Right. Some of the. That's why it's called the Experimental Aircraft Association. When I worked in Green Bay at the TV station, we were at the CBS station, and EAA was a huge deal. We'd do our whole like TV newscast live out there and stuff. So big deal headed your way today. Three days left if you want to go up to EAA Air Venture in Oshkosh. Gates open at 7 a.m. daily. Today the air shows are at 2.30 and 6.30. Same deal tomorrow, plus they throw in the night air show at 8 p.m., and then air show times for Sunday are 1 o'clock and 4.30. Wisconsin's Afternoon News live today with Sandy Max and John Mercure. Coming up your uh, coming your way at 3 o'clock from Oshkosh. Brandon Snyder Sports next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. No Brewers game on the field on Thursday, but off the field, the team sure was busy. General Manager Matt Arnold and company making a trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates, adding veteran first baseman Carlos Santana for minor leaguer Johnny Severino. Santana's play on the field was one major factor for the trade, but General Manager Matt Arnold also acknowledging the importance of adding another great clubhouse veteran. I think that's something that's super important to us, as you know, and and certainly we've heard all of those reports that you have as well about him being a tremendous teammate, uh, a tremendous competitor, a guy with with all-star uh, caliber experience, uh, playoff experience for a number of years. 
again, just checks a lot of boxes for us. And, and just to add him as a person, honestly, uh, is something that we're very, very excited about. The Brewers will get back to work on the field tonight as they are down in Atlanta to begin a three-game set with the first-place Braves. Coverage gets underway right here on WTMJ beginning at 545. Over to the NFL as day two of Packers training camp rolled on Thursday morning for running back Aaron Jones. Doubt for him and his team is as they look to prove many doubters wrong headed in 2023. I've been doubting my whole life, so it's nothing new for me. Uh, so I, I just smile, and uh, that, that chip on my shoulder just keeps growing bigger. And uh, at the end of the season, we'll look up, and uh, we, we'll, we, we'll have them prove a lot of people wrong. No practice today in Green Bay for the Packers. Day three of training camp will continue on Saturday morning, beginning at 1030. Lastly, over to college football, where Big Ten Media Day was held in Indianapolis on Thursday. Newly hired Badgers coach Luke Fickle providing a new mentality and a new goal for his Wisconsin program. We have one objective, and that's to play for a championship. I don't think that'll ever change, whether it's year one, year two, three, four, or five. That's what our objective is. The Badgers will begin camp on the road as Wisconsin will actually head to UW-Platteville from August 1st through the 8th before returning home to Camp Randall. If he's offering year one on that championship, I'll take it. Championship or bust mentality in Madison. (laughs) Times are changing. I love it. 617, coming up next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Those massive protests in Israel. What are they really about and why it should matter to you? That story is next. Six twenty-one on this Friday morning. I want to explore a topic with you this morning, and I will make the case for why it matters because it's it's international politics, Mike. So immediate gloss. Wait, don't hang up. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. This is an interesting right. one. I promise. Right, right. And I so that's on me to try to to bring this to you if I think it's important to make it interesting. Sometimes our eyes gloss over things feel far away, but the massive protests in Israel this week really caught my attention. It's about the passage of a law that would limit the power of the courts to overrule government action. So a check and balance, much like we have here in the United States with the courts having oversight over what lawmakers do, over what the executive branch does. I talked with Jewish Community Center's Mark Shapiro about, first of all, the protests this week. I really believe that this represents, if not a majority, this is not a small faction that's protesting. So I reached out to Mark, again, president and CEO at the Jewish Community Center here in Milwaukee, because I'm like, what what are we looking at? Is this majority opinion or is this a loud vocal minority that is making a big deal out of something that maybe isn't a big deal? Just wanted his perspective. Mark has been to Israel many times. He's not He's not an Israeli law scholar, but he's a guy I know and a friend of mine, so I just reached out to him for some perspective on all this. So we've seen that video, thousands in the streets for days demonstrating. What you can't know, but what Mark's thought was, is this really does appear to be more than just a small group of people. If if it's not 50-50 or even majority, this is significant. On that, I'll let Mark explain a little bit more about what sparked these protests. That um, a new law was being brought forward that was going to take the power away from the Supreme Court to be a counterbalance to the leadership in the Knesset. So it is giving an unbridled, unheard of amount of power to the current group in leadership in the Knesset. 
and in many ways taking away what is a fundamental principle of a democracy, which is that there are checks and balances to any one leader to represent all of the people of a country instead of just the specific people who won the vote. So you heard Mark talk about the Knesset there. That would be the legislative branch in Israel. Um, some refer to it as a parliament. So it's there are parallels here between our U.S. form of democracy and republic government, as a, but it's not exactly the same. So what Mark was explaining there is basically you have the this legislative branch, and from that branch emerges the leader in Benjamin Netanyahu, and Netanyahu is seeking to limit the oversight ability of the court. So I do have some new sound from ABC News, an interview with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. We have to uh, bring back Israeli democracy in line with what is common to all democracies. The essence of democracy is the balance between the will of the majority and the rights of the minority, and that's achieved by the balance between the three branches of government. That's been taken off the rails in Israel in the last 20 years because the we have the most activist judicial court on the planet. So interesting. Two things to take away from there. One, he's complaining about activist courts, which is a conversation that we continue to have right here in Wisconsin and across the country. It's the same thing that we've been talking about. Netanyahu suggesting it's the courts and specifically the Supreme Court in Israel that is out of bounds and overreaching and thus needs to be reined in. Now, without regard for whether you agree or disagree with Netanyahu on that, he mentioned something else in there that's important. And this is the why does it matter to me? Democracy. And getting back to Mark Shapiro at the JCC, Mark says, look, why American Jews and Americans in general need to be paying attention because there are a lot of Israelis who believe that this is a power grab and a movement toward a more autocratic government. I think it's important as an American to believe that there is a democracy in the Middle East. We are, as a country, dramatically impacted by countries that do not have a democracy. Yeah, as is the world. So, Mike, I don't profess to be learned enough in Israeli politics to offer you a take on what should happen here. I tried to lay out both sides of the argument. I do respect that many fear this law is not a positive. The U.S., for its part, the White House calling the move unfortunate and definitely something the world is watching, as Israel is an island of democracy in the Middle East and a staunch ally of the U.S. Taylor Swift fans are in their record-breaking era, Vince. After two nights of earth-shaking dancing at Swift Seattle's Eras Tour concert at Lumen Field in Seattle, enthusiastic Swifties causing seismic activity equivalent to a 2.3 magnitude earthquake. That's according to a seismologist. <laughs> no way. Oh, yeah. It happens up there. The ground's loose, I think. Right, but like, if there's a spot where you don't want to get freaked out by seismic activity, it would be the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, well, they're used to it, though. They're also <laughs> yes. used to it. As you know, the Taylor Swift era's tour has been breaking records, both for attendance and monetary funds. has boosted local economies. It also broke Ticketmaster. Almost killed Ticketmaster. <laughs> almost single-handedly brought us out of a recession. So, so much, so many people, so much dancing that it registers on the Richter scale. Yeah, because so many people are shaking it off. Like, it's during during this one, and that's how this seismologist detected this, that it was made up of roughly the same 10-minute period over two nights of shows. She went back, looked at the what lined up concert-wise. Did she look at the playlist? She looked did. at the playlist. <laughs> she was at one of the shows, so just kind of had it in the back All of right. her mind that uh, people done, jumping up and down. So the t- geologist, the seismologist, is a Swifty. Yeah, well, okay. yeah. Who isn't at this point, though, well, I, I, I think? Uh, the Earth, maybe. Our tectonic plate's not huge fans of her. I don't think. 
But uh, there is some local precedent for this. They say that it registers on the Richter scale at UW Madison when they do jump around. I believe at it. Camp Randall. I mean, think about it. It's fifty, forty, fifty thousand people. Right. Probably losing their minds over all right whatever's going on. Yeah, so. Camp Randall's eighty plus, so ju- literally jumping up and down. What do you do if there's an earthquake? At a do you just do you just go into the football state? Like, where do you bathroom? Like, what do you do? I don't know. This took Are a, we gonna this took a tragic it? turn just now. You start thought, dancing, Mike. You just start <laughs> dancing like the world's going to end. <laughs> you shake it off. 6.38 on Wisconsin's Morning News. on Wisconsin's Morning News. Want to pass along some information on a breaking news story that we're just getting some more information on. This is in Kenosha, where a vehicle appears to have plowed into a business. And what do we know about the victims, Mike? So there are two people have died, and there is one person in critical condition. Now, this happened near 40th Avenue and 75th Street. It appears that there's a plate against sports kind of on the corner right there where this vehicle crashed it into. If you're in the Kenosha area, if you're familiar with it, it is... The Mission Village um, strip mall. It's a red truck. There is a, a, a number of police vehicles, first responders on the scene. It does not look like a, you know, a quote unquote active situation where where officers are, are reacting with guns right. drawn. So what's, things along what's those happened lines. has happened. Yes, right? there's just so if you're driving in the area, you're wondering what's going on. There's a Dunkin' Donuts right there, so I'm assuming it's 6:43 on a Friday. It might be getting kind of busy, so just be aware if you're headed in that direction. We'll have plenty more, but yeah, all we know right now is that this. Red truck crashed into the front of this plate against sports. Two people have died. One person is in critical condition. Unclear what led to that accident or if it was, in fact, an accident. And uh, there are a number of police on scene. We'll have plenty more coming up in the news here in about 15 minutes. Probably means more to you for us to identify it this way if you're not from the Kenosha area. This is Highway 50. And basically right where it all of a sudden goes diagonal to take you right into like the downtown area of Kenosha. So very busy spot, as Mike indicated. You know, sometimes you hear as we listen to police radio reports, we call them the scanners. So you hear police talking to each other. And and sometimes I'll recall being in the news business where you hear, you know, hey, vehicle into house, car crashed into a house or car crashed into business. And you get there and it was like a tapper. Not a tapper on this one. This no. is, like you can barely even see the vehicle. Yeah. It is all the way in, according to the video that we're looking at here on some of the TV news shows, all the way into the front end of that business. So we've got our eye on that. Again, report of two people dead, another person injured in Kenosha following this crash into a business just off of Highway 50. Brandon Snide with sports coming up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. No Brewers game on Thursday, but off the field, the team was busy. General Manager Matt Arnold making a trade with the division opponent, the Pittsburgh Pirates, adding veteran first baseman Carlos Santana for minor leaguer Johnny Severino. The Brewers will get back to work on the field tonight as they are down in Atlanta to begin a three-game set with the first-place Braves. Coverage gets underway right here on WTMJ beginning at 545. No practice today in Green Bay for the Packers. Day three of training camp will continue on Saturday morning beginning at 10.30. And lastly, some positive news in college hoops as Bronny James, the oldest son of NBA star LeBron James, he was released from the hospital Thursday after he suffered cardiac arrest Monday while practicing at USC. 
It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's morning news. Here's Brendan Snide. The Wisconsin Badgers are set to embark on a new season as the Luke Fickle era is ready to officially kick off next week with the start of camp. On Thursday, the Big Ten Football Conference held its annual media day in Indianapolis, where players and coaches got the opportunity to mingle amongst each other ahead of the new season. During his press conference, Coach Fickle made it very clear what his expectations were starting this season. To put it simply, championship or bust. It's a goal most coaches will loft at the media during these times. It sounds good, and most people expect to get the, quote, coaches talk. But this one, this one's a little bit different for me. Coach Fickle knows what championship teams look like. He's seen them, he's coached them, and he's helped build them. He was a part of them during his time at Ohio State, and he was the man in charge that was responsible for seeing Cincinnati being built to compete for a national championship. Coach Fickle hasn't wasted a single minute since his hire, sending out his version of the bat signal every time a significant recruit or transfer is set to join the team. Talk about a change. As it currently sits, the Badgers ranking 8th in the country from their edition of transfers, gathering their highest-ranked wide receiver in school history. Within just months, literally just months, he has completely re rejuvenated this school and this program. And times are changing in Madison. And, well, it's finally about time. This team, this program, this athletic director, and Chris McIntosh and this coach are precisely what we fans have longed for for so many years. This is the most exciting I have been as a Badgers fan. A national championship mentality, and the expectation is now the standard for that football team. Now you just hope the basketball program is paying attention. Just coming up on 6.53 on Wisconsin's Morning News, ESPN Milwaukee's Gabe Neitzel is in the house. Explain to me again why you have me watching vintage Packers on whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was a, You're not even the boss of me, but I was given an assignment. Uh, I yes, gave. I did. I gave, I gave you a homework assignment. Yes. I had to do that with teammates across uh, Good Karma Brands here in Milwaukee. But we came up with this idea um, based off of uh, Bill Simmons and The Ringer, um, a website. They have a, a podcast series called Rewatchables, where okay. they watch back old movies and you know go on a podcast and then talk about it. So we had the idea of, oh, you know, throughout the course of the summer, you know, people love talking about the Packers. What if we did this, but with Packer games? So uh, selected 10 random Packer games that kind of stood out. And then, trust me, I came up with like a list of 20 and was told to reel it right. back in. These are the great games that we remember. Well, right? and, and not necessarily great games. They're they're kind of random ones that I think have almost been lost a little bit. Um, now, some certainly more significant than other. Like this week, I did one with Jason Wildey. It was the first one of the series that was actually a loss for the Packers. But it was the game where Aaron Rodgers came in after Brett Favre got hurt. Oh, in Dallas. Thursday night in Dallas. So, you know, you get to kind of look back at that. Yeah, and that okay. kind of set the wheels in motion of Rodgers eventually taking over, which I thought was, you know, kind of cool to look back now that his time in Green Bay has come to an end. With Steve Scafidi, we went back and watched um, the game where Yancey Thigpen was wide open in the end zone and dropped, dropped it on it. Christmas Eve. Yeah, oh. Christmas Eve. Last it's Weird to say that Christmas Eve was the last week of the regular season in the NFL. Right now, it's February now. Yeah. Week, week 23. <laughs> 
three or whatever we are. So yeah, we just uh, you know a number of different teammates you know stepped up and and I figured you know you would want to want to have some fun with me and, and talk a little bit about the Green Bay Packers game, which why I assigned you uh, one that again I think has kind of been forgot because everybody remembers the playoff run, but they had to beat the Bears in the regular season, final week of the regular season, win and you're in. They won the game ten to seven, a defensive battle that eventually set everything up. So the Bears had an opportunity to knock the Packers out of the playoffs, failed to do so, and then the Packers eliminated them that year in the NFC Championship 2010 game. season, so yes. the final regular season game of 2010. So I will I will concur with what you said. You did give me a game that wasn't frankly terribly exciting, <laughs> but extremely consequential. Yes. And I started putting it together because the talk and listening to the play-by-play, it's like, well, the Giants are watching this game because if the Packers lose and the Giants this and that, and the Packers had just beaten the Giants. Oh, they'd that, beaten the brakes the before, off the right? Giants. Yeah, they'd beaten the brakes off. They're only like 45-17 or something. Had lost earlier in the season to the Bears, mm-hmm. and then here the Bears are at Lambeau Field. A win-in-your-in scenario for the Green Bay Packers, and they were going to get the sixth seed if they won. Starting to gain traction, had a great game against the Giants, and the Bears come into Lambeau Field with that great defense. I mean, Brian Urlacher's on that, oh, yeah. Julius Peppers on the outside, and the Packers, like, offense, classic, like, spurt, stall, spurt, stall, spurt, stall. I think we got down to the one-yard line, I want to couldn't stick it in. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, that, and look, I, I the understand. The game was excruciating. I, look, I understand you took a little nap during the game as well. There may have been some sleeping. <laughs> Which, again, it was a 10-7 <laughs> final. I have a hard time blaming you for taking a little snooze in the middle of your assignment. But I appreciate you watching back that game, and we are going to find some time to record it, and it's going to be coming out soon. We put it out on the uh, ESPN Milwaukee social channel, on Twitter, Facebook, and then also uh, on our YouTube page. So if you're interested in going back and watching some of those, again, I've done a with Steve Scafidi, with Homer, had fun with Tausch talking about the game after Brett Favre's dad passed away in Oakland oh. since Tausch was on that team. That was a lot of fun. That one I would have stayed awake for. <laughs> the whole game. <laughs> well, <laughs> even on the rewatch. After rewatching it, <laughs> the second half of that one gets a little boring. Like, Brett hits a couple of big throws early third quarter, and then it just kind of... <sighs> uh, I mean, right. Everybody had, knew what was happening. Well, he had like 400 yards in the first half. Like, all of the things that right. you remember from that game... Chances are it happened in the first half. All right. Well, I will be sure to pass along to all of you when you can find that online after Gabe and I have our sit down. That was a little snack for you. Yeah, a little tease a little taste. ahead. Just a, just a little taste. All right. Appreciate it, Gabe. Have a good show today. Yeah, 657 on Wisconsin's Morning News.